Hello! Welcome to Throwing Light. My name is Brandi Walker, and this is episode 50, Maya Nikitovich and the Healing Power of Past Life Regression. Maya is, she's like a breath of fresh air. She's so wise. She's so thoughtful. She's so fascinating and raw and honest. And we talk about everything from like suffering and trauma to the dynamics that have to be in place in order to change the world on a societal level to a really raw and difficult past life regression that she had to like where she thinks this train is headed overall. And I am awkward AF <laughs> because this was actually recorded like six months ago. It's like the first interview I ever did that wasn't my child. And it's pretty clear that, <laughs> that I have a ways to go in that department, but Maya is so gracious and just such a good, such a good interviewee. And um, yeah, so I think that even if you don't really know how you feel or don't even believe in past life regressions, I, I think this is for you. Like, I think it's, I think it can be helpful for anyone. And we go to some like really, really wild places. She explains what a star seed is what a light worker is. And it's really educational, really fascinating, and really lovely. So without further ado, here we go. I'm so excited uh, with who we're talking to today. Her name is Maya Nikitovich. I hope I said your name right. Did I say that right? Perfectly. And she runs uh, Settle Honey Healing. I will let her tell you more about what that is, but I was first introduced to Maya on the Healers podcast when she was talking to Elizabeth about past life regressions and her experiences with the Edgar Casey Institute. I actually had the opportunity to have a past life regression with Maya, and she has such a sweet um, grounded spirit that like, I just knew I wanted to like, when I was ready to start having interviews, she's the first person I asked. So welcome Maya. Um, is there anything that you would like to, uh, tell us about yourself? Thank you so much, Brandy, for that lovely introduction. Um, I just love all the connections that I and the people I've met through working with Healers Podcast and all the other lightworkers that, you know, are coming into contact with because our community is so strong and has so much potential to help only not only individuals, but the world at large. So 
Um, I guess about me, we share a background in social work. So that's another reason that I think we connected. And um, I had a moment where I just realized that in addition to all of the, the more normalized or typical ways that people go about healing and self-improvement, I also was very much a believer in spiritual things, a higher power, different aspects of different religions. And I needed to integrate and embrace those for my own identity and then use that to help others. So that's a little bit part of my story, too. That's a lovely way of putting it. That's really very uh, articulate. <laughs> Let's just dive right in. What is your favorite book and why is that? Yeah, I was thinking about this and I definitely don't have a favorite book because I see books as almost like people, like they're each unique and they each provide me with something special or necessary that I need, you know. Um, I grew up as an only child and a serious reader. So I was always kind of in my books and in my fantasies. So I can't say I have a favorite book. I you know, have a poetry book I go to. I'll have some kind of scripture that I read um, that I'll just flip open to a page. But to answer this question, what came up to me as really representative of the things I look for in an amazing book um, is the works by Annie Dillard. Have you ever heard of her? I've heard of her. But I'm not sure. Tell me more. I came across her in college in one of my English classes. Um, and she's kind of a transcendentalist writer. But so she writes a lot about um, her own life and nature. And she comes from a Catholic background. So interwoven in her understandings of herself and nature and her relationships and her world is this transcendental kind of divine higher higher search for meaning and for connection. Um, I think she writes a lot about oneness, but she would never use those terms necessarily. It's this, it's this beautiful, um, and this is what I realized I liked so much about it. She writes about the human experience and beauty. And um, for example, she has a whole essay on just the ideas of moss coming into a flame. And, and the way she writes it is very poetic that it inspires me to find spirituality, God, whatever you call it, in the very um, natural human parts of life. Hmm. And that is something I look for in every book. Hmm. I love that. So this is a question I used to ask to when I used to do one-off coaching sessions back in the day. And the question was, is what does God see when God looks at you? I think that you could replace God with whatever you see as like a, you know, the universe, divine, divinity. What does that light uh, see when it looks at you? It's hard because I think that, you know, your emotions will cloud this answer and your, your self-identity, your kind of self-esteem will cloud this answer every time, right? Yes, um, <laughs> I think that I have a very, and I don't want to sound pretentious or anything when I say this, but I feel like I have a very pure heart that God is looking at someone who has this innocence about them and this um, pure desire to do, do well. And even when I'm clouded by all the stuff of, um, you know, 
temptation. I don't know how to phrase it exactly, but all the times that my ego is getting in the way and, and I'm doing less than, I'm always trying to clear that from me so that a pure light and love shines through. Hmm. Um, that's very sincere. And that can be hard. It can be hard to live in the world um, with that kind of a inner being, but mm-hmm. I try my best to keep it even and find strength in that even when it's hard. I don't think that sounds pretentious at all. I think that that's very honest. And I think that we live in a world today that's it's hard to be that honest about yourself. Like it's almost more socially acceptable to not say that and but I think that I think that it's so important and so true whatever it is for you so if it's a pure heart for you if it's um a hopeful spirit for someone else like I think that we know those things about ourselves and we hesitate and resist acknowledging them yeah, I think they're seen as weak in our society. Mm. And I want to change that around and, and have it be, you know, valued. Mm-hmm. What lights you up? I think that when people connect in a really heartwarming way where they feel actually really loving and appreciated and, and want to offer that same love, kindness, and appreciation to another to connect with another. And I, I think that the the greatest metaphor or or symbol of this for me um is in a christmas carol you know when tiny tim um is at the dinner table and just says god bless everyone and um all the adults are touched by this young child who is still so kind and optimistic and grateful when everything is hard and they're in the midst of poverty they don't have you know these christmas dinners or these presents and And yet he's just there appreciating the fact that they're all together and that they can share in loving moments together. That definitely lights me up when I'm in contact with those moments in my life too. Hmm. I wonder, I've been thinking a lot about like the people that we surround ourselves with and, and like how that affects our light our vibe I don't know how to say it without sounding you know like um but how do you go about finding others who share that desire for joy and connection yeah I don't think it's always a constant in people's intentions or lives so I think it's possible with every single person these Mm. moments do I think that every person is safe or a good choice to spend your energy or or try to create those moments. No, that's definitely a personal lesson. I'm always going on, you know, like trying to, if you're an empathetic person or a healer, or, you know, you grew up with people who weren't showing you love and you realize you need it. Like that's definitely in in my lifetime, um, as a kind of a storyline then you can often put yourself in situations with with people who don't value those things because you're always trying to create it and maintain it. Um, So it's definitely a learning curve 
and a sense of, you know, confidence and inner stability to be able to say yes or no to people and situations um, when you are the kind of person who just wants everyone to love each other and be happy um, and to value, you know, these higher ideals. But the best place to go and to find these people would just be to first search within yourself, like who you are, what you need, what you're drawn to, and then go into those spaces of similarities, like other healing community spaces. So through Healers Podcast, um, you and I met. We definitely are on a similar kind of a wavelength here with what mm. we care about. Um, going to communities that are trying to do these things with these intentions, because maybe not everyone is going to be that person that aligns with you in the way that you want or need, but there will be some who do. And when you're around them, you're going to feel it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Okay. So <laughs> what pisses you off? Um, the um, injustice and oppression in the world and on an interpersonal level really, really pisses me off. Um, the fact that we haven't evolved as a, as a country, as a society to help. I mean, and we're going there. We're definitely moving. I mean, the innovations for mental health care, for example, has been a huge jump in the last 10 years um, and community endeavors and things like that. But the fact that we haven't built a society that helps, you know, children be well taken care of truthfully because we are stressing out the parents and um, the racism that is rampant in our country and the misogyny and how complicated and intense and powerful and messy it is to tease through and the fact that some people just don't care and will will choose rather to go on in their own kind of egocentric self-focused way rather than to take the time to put in the effort to be considerate empathetic help um judgment and discernment is important but judgment where it's where it's just against a group of people, against a way of being without trying to put yourself in their shoes and trying to resolve things on a community level, all of that brings up a lot of anger. Yeah. No, I <laughs> I agree with, with all of that. I wonder, this is kind of going off on a, a bit of a tangent, but I, but I heard this thing, I think it was... Uh, Russell Brand, I'm not sure, somebody doing a podcast and they were saying that like the leaders of the world are are traumatized and they are as a result um, mm -hmm. like leading from their trauma and we are a trauma traumatized nation. I'm talking about the U.S. because that's where we both are. And I wonder sometimes if like the people who don't care are the ones like, I mean, people talk about all the time, like, the idea of being woke. Like, spiritual communities, the idea of, like, wake up, of being, like, a spiritual awakening. I wonder if the people who are, quote, unquote, asleep or who don't care are just so wounded. <laughs> and I struggle with that because it still pisses me off. Like, it's still, like, it's hard for me to find empathy for the people that I see wounding others out of their trauma. Mm. But I feel like 
I, I almost feel like the way out of this is to somehow with an awareness of boundaries um, and self-respect to find compassion and empathy for the folks that piss us off the most. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it's really tough because on the one hand, you know, um, there's that quote that um, I connected with a lot in grad school that the master's tools will not bring down the master's house. And in some, in some way, when you are, you know, trying to build compassion and trying to align with, you know, how things are to then change the system slowly, but surely, I don't know if that will ever, will always work. I think if you look historically, the things that have made the most, most significant change, um, in my opinion, towards positive societal growth, it has come through a lot of suffering, violence, and sacrifice. Um, almost like martyring yourself for these higher ideals. ideals. And I think that's throughout the world. Um, so I agree with the kind of, a lot of people talk about spiritual bypassing and just throwing, um, trying to be so compassionate and, and loving. And yet, if you look historically, that's not the thing that makes a huge difference. That plus action, that plus um, sacrifice, that plus changing the status quo, giving up things, um, even the safety of your own body for how important something else is. And I guess if you're also looking at it on a metaphysical plane, like for me, the people I have the hardest time to have compassion for are the ones who don't seem to have any trauma. Um, when someone is wounded and traumatized and I can see it and I can see how they're acting, I can put them in that perspective of compassion for me because I know there's so much there. Not that they should be treating anyone the way they're treating, but, but it's the people who I'm like, what? There's nothing wrong. Nothing really happened in your life. How can you be so unkind? Um, that's what's hard for me. And so when you look at it on a metaphysical plane, to get back to my point, like the fact that we're all on earth is our first trauma because none of us, and this is my personal spiritual opinion, none of us are supposed to have human bodies. Like <laughs> this is not the world we're meant to live in where there's violence and there's child abuse and there's sexual abuse and there's poverty and starvation. Like, Something is wrong. We are in a planet of karma and learning and suffering to grow for whatever reason. But the moment we hit earth and we're in human bodies is our first trauma. Um, and so that's why I think when you, when you choose to have some kind of a moral focus, whether you get it from a religion, whether you get it from a self-help book, whether you get it from humanism, from science, you don't care. You have to learn how to be human and make the world a better place. Um, and we usually need some kind of a moral guidepost to do that. I don't really have a point, I guess. It's just like, I think living on earth is really, really hard mm -hmm. and it's really complicated and we all have a responsibility to make it more pleasant and more positive and more peaceful for every single human being. Yeah. And I think it's hard when you're trying to do that and you see 
others not doing that. I think, though, so it's interesting, like, the idea that change has come through suffering and violence. I think that I agree with you, but I also agree that that's kind of like the way I see it in my own kind of personal uh, belief system is that that's the old order. And in a lot of ways, we still live out of that because we've seen it work in the past. But I'm very fascinated by this idea of the, it's called the third way. And I think it was Walter, yeah, it's, I have it on. Um, there's a book, uh, Jesus and Nonviolence by Walter Wink. And he talks about how uh, Jesus, and I feel like maybe he was, maybe he was the first, maybe he wasn't. And Walter Wink's mind pioneered this idea of the third way. So when he talked about turning the other cheek, it was creative nonviolence and carrying the pack twice because of the rules that were set up in place back then. And I can't remember all of the specifics, but like it was thwarting the system in a way that uh, that forced it, it was almost like embarrassing to the people in power and it forced them in a nonviolent way to uh, see that what they were doing was wrong. And if you look through history, there's been all kinds of examples of like the guy standing in front of the tank. And I also agree with you because he put himself in danger. Like the tank could have run over him. But when you see something like that, you hesitate. The person in power does. I don't know that I'm necessarily disagreeing with you, but I I think it's interesting what you said about that to be on earth is a trauma. I'll have to think about that more because I don't, I mean, I've heard that theory and I, and I know Dolores Cannon, I've listened to some of her YouTube um, and I heard, first heard her mentioned by you in the Healers podcast. She talked about that a little bit. And I don't know if we want to go down that rabbit trail. (laughs) Maybe you should come back on (laughs) and we'll do that. We'll talk about that another time. But um, I suck at transition sometimes. Moving on. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, it's such an important, it's it's so important to think what we're talking about because um, to help as social workers and to help anyone individually, you have to see the systems that we're working in. Um, yes. And I think no matter what, there is some larger thing at play, some larger power at play when there is a man who will, or a woman who will stand in front of a tank because what they believe in is so important to them. Mm. And this can go on either end of the spectrum, like the crusades or something like that is, is similar or, um, religious terrorism of any kind. I mean, People are doing that constantly, and we're still trying to figure out what what is right and what is true and what is good. Um, and I don't know. I, I just think it's it's an incredibly important conversation. And I think the third way idea is really interesting. Kind of the idea of of needing of being able to infiltrate a system to help the larger thing at play change without necessarily resorting to obvious obvious sacrifice or obvious violence, one or the other spectrum. I mean, there's got to be, we definitely have to be able to get out of old paradigms. That's, that's how we grow in general. So hopefully we can, we can figure out 
some new ways of being to improve situations yeah. for people individually and as a whole. And yeah. And I think for me, one of the things that has felt most helpful as I try to grapple with all of this stuff, especially the trauma that I encounter as um, a up and coming social worker is the idea of past lives and that we get more than one multiple chances to figure out and to learn from our mistakes because that was so I grew up in kind of a Christian paradigm and the idea that we live once and kind of no matter how horrible we were as long as we like said this thing <laughs> then we'd like go to heaven and everything would be wonderful but like the people who didn't say that thing even if they live like a like a loving life they were damned <laughs> like it never it never fit and even as i became more progressive in my christianity and and started to think about like well maybe more people get in than just that the idea that we only live mm-hmm. once i didn't know it at the time but it was it was problematic for me because it's like what happens after this my experience with past lives is that I had a an aura reading with a friend. In this psychic aura reading, talked about a past life that came up. So your aura reading in this methodology goes through all of your chakras. And when she got to my third chakra, my solar plexus, a past life experience came up. And it happened to be something that I could look up. It was like a princess in the like Mm. 1500s and that had been locked away. And in the thing it said, you know, she was locked away. She was told she was locked away for like to protect her, but they were actually afraid of her and wanted to kind of like lock her down. And when I looked it up, um, oh, and it was in Spain. And when I looked it up, it was um, Juana the the Mad, Juana or Juana of uh, Castile. And, and and mm. it just it kind of fit in a way that I wasn't expecting, and I was surprised about the the similarities between what she had said in that reading and what I was reading now on this, you know, historical thing. And so I started first, like when I first started reading about the idea of past lives, I started reading uh, Brian Weiss books, and. Mm-hmm found him very compelling because to me, he's like the Mr. Rogers of the past life world. Like he's just so pure and like, like kind hearted. Um, Mm -hmm. I just really found him. It seemed grounded his work. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that kind of was the beginning of my experience, but we can kind of shift into this since I did. (laughs) Um, And I'd love to hear how you came to, believe in past lives. I'm going to talk about what I consider past lives are now. Okay. I think that we are infinite beings with one consciousness. I think that if we believe in infinity, then therefore my life as Maya Nikitovich, this young um, white woman from New York City, you know, with these European roots and 
personal interests and hobbies and talents and traumas and, you know, joys, all of that is so important and so relevant. And yet it's going to be confined to a life who knows how long I'll live, right? And when you compare it to the sense of infinity, how can my consciousness only experience that? Um, so we kind of, first of all, we, if we ever talk about past lives, we all have to be under the assumption that we are a soul that is experiencing something. Um, and that we're returning somewhere else in a sense, right? Like there's, there's a journey we're taking. And I guess the question is, do we have one life or do we have multiple experiences? And as I was talking about with Healer's Podcast, this is something I learned from my teacher. When you say we only have one life, that's accurate. When you say we have multiple lives, that's accurate because ultimately we are one thing experiencing the mystery of life itself. And we're either doing it in this body but then what happens next? We're still experiencing something. Even if you go to heaven, like, can you not consider that as part of your life? Um, so it's these changes in consciousness and changes of experience. And, and that's why I think, you know, when people talk about being a star seed, and I get a lot of people in my past life regression sessions will say um, and connect with lives on other planets in other types of bodies, bodies that are, you know, lighter than human bodies, bodies that have three fingers, bodies that um, are made of light, but are still like kind of, kind of physical, like, they still have their own limitations in that body, you know, people being on Venus, for example, who's to say that our consciousness cannot experience a similar life like that with it with its own traumas and its own joys in whatever limitation that experiences has or as an animal, or as a tree, or as a rock, or I guess I'm going on a tangent, but it's so interesting to think about, and I think wherever our consciousness finds itself, we are learning and growing and experiencing, and when you do past life regression, you are getting in touch with a lesson and an emotional experience from another aspect of your consciousness that is going to be relevant for your human life as what you're doing now. Yes, absolutely. Can you define um, what a star seed is? A star seed is a word that people, and I'm not an expert on this, so don't, you know, I'm not um, always working with this idea, but it defines a group of people who feel and experience that their identity in the majority of their lives, if we're assuming about past lives, um, has been on planets other than Earth, part of the stars, born from the stars, um, started there, and their earthly experiences are few and far between. And so they almost feel, and I've, I've identified this way too, they almost feel like being on Earth is too hard, it's too emotional, there's, there's too much heaviness and weight with the three-dimensional aspect of it. Um, oftentimes star seed existences are telepathic communication, nonverbal, um, mind to mind, heart to heart, emotion to emotion. And so when we have to tease out like, oh my gosh, I have to use my voice and my words to express how I'm feeling. But I know exactly how they're feeling. I have this telepathic, empathetic connection to them, but they don't 
get me. I feel so misunderstood and different. That's, that's a little bit about how many individuals who identify as starseeds can feel because Earth is so different from another planet's atmosphere, gravity, uh, life. That's so interesting. I've heard people talk about that. I don't know that that's my experience, but I find it like fascinating and helpful and hopeful that it is other people's experience. Can you define, so you talked about, in the very beginning, you talked about, you use the word lightworker. I was just wondering if you would explain what that means. Yeah, lightworker is another kind of word that people are using to identify themselves. Um, So we can break it up, you know, light. Light is a metaphor that has been used historically for um, something good, something true, something divine versus dark, obscure, shielded from this, where the light breaks through the darkness and the darkness cannot exist when light is shining. Um, So a lot of us are using it as an identification to say, I am on the side of light. I am always going to prioritize what light means. Now, many people can have a different understanding of what this is. If you're in kindergarten, your understanding of math is going to be one way. When you're in a PhD physicist, your understanding of math is another. Mm -hmm. So all of us are kind of who want to go towards, you know, what light working is or what light even is, what it means on an emotional, spiritual level. Um, are going to constantly be learning and growing too, right? Essentially, life on this planet is about learning contrast and duality, light and dark, good and evil. Um, You look at the story of Genesis, that is (laughs) the very thing that brought us into the life as we know it as humans. Um, So light workers are the ones saying, okay, we have this knowledge of good and evil. I'm going to keep sticking and keep putting my focus on working with and sharing light and bringing goodness and understanding of what that is to others. Do I think anyone has a 100% definition on what that is? Um, Not necessarily. I think when, when we all, you know, go back to the mystery of our creator, we'll understand that more. But the fact that we're making an effort to do it and other people are going to school us on what's right and wrong too and vice versa. And, you know, we're in this mess together is, is a bit what we're doing also. Mm. And it's so much on the foundation of, you know, love. And it's, I'm kind of sick of that word because it's so generic and yet mm. like it's so real at the same time. And so I just want everyone to engage with what that means and keep searching and understanding what love means to them. Cause that's going to be the foundation and greatest thing of all for us. Yeah, I agree. And I and I struggle with the word love because I for though what you just said, I think that it's so important and yet it's become so overused which makes sense, but like how do you dive deeper into what it means? I think that's the work. I'd love to talk about a notable past life experience that um that you've had. Like my personal one? Mhm. If you, if you feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't, I feel like I want to come off as this really light 
bubbly, optimistic, happy, you know, successful person. Yes, you know, come work with me. But I'm like, I'm a human and I'm engaging with real serious things in my life since childhood and beyond and all the time. Like, that's why I can do what I do. Um, Because it's built my character in such a way. So my past lives are not very, like, uh, easy. (laughs) I mean, I'm dealing with some from some real serious things. So I feel comfortable sharing it. Um, Cause I think that people who are dealing with the opposite end of the spectrum of trauma, darkness and pain will um, be inspired hopefully by it. But I just want to like give you a warning that it's not like, this is not, and I'm sorry that the podcast has turned in this tone into these, these serious uh, things don't mean to do that, but no, it's good. It's good <laughs> today. Um, cause like, you know, stuff is real in our lives today. We just cannot deny it anymore. And I, I can't, you know, I can't try to ignore it because too many people I love are being affected by it, whether I, I watch the news or not. So, so let's, Let's start there. I got into past life regression because I was a social worker and I felt like it was too stressful on me and I wasn't making enough of a difference in someone's life. And I knew that people's spiritual identities um, created so much meaning in their lives that therapy was not connecting with. There was not an open door. There was not spiritual competency. That was what my thesis was on because this was what was so important to me. I couldn't get so much benefit from a therapist if they were going to think I was weird for believing that, you know, psychic phenomenon can be real. Hmm. And they didn't know how to talk to me about it. And a lot of people feel this way about cultural and race competency too. They, they, there is a level of knowledge needed, right? So I started studying hypnosis and past life regression just as a way to try to help people using spirituality as a basis. Mm-hmm. So I, said, I cannot give people past life regressions until I have, or quantum healing hypnosis technique, the technique I do with Dolores Cannon, until I get a session myself. Mm -hmm. I need healing. Everyone needs healing. Let me get this session. So I I got one in New York from another QHHT practitioner. And, um, And I'll give you a little bit of framework where I was. I had been, I was fired from my job. I was on unemployment. Um, living at home, kind of ending a toxic relationship where there was, was poor, very poor behavior on both sides, like, you know, triggering your deepest wounds and then really acting out ugly uh, from those places to each other, ups and downs. So, and I had no idea where to go in my life and I was drowning in student loan debt. And at the same time, I was, my father had just died. So maybe a year before. And I just felt like an ultimate failure at life. And like, I couldn't stand on two legs. And and how come I couldn't, you know, earn all this great money in my office job, making a difference in the world as a social worker, like everyone else around me was doing, you know, why couldn't I survive in corporate and like become a, a, I don't know, a lawyer? (laughs) (laughs) What was wrong with me? I even found waitressing like very hard. I was just all around a mess. Like I, I needed to have a recovery tent and I needed society just to help me do that for a couple of months. Um, 
So I had my first regression and nothing was happening. I was like, I can't see anything. But she kept, she kept pushing me forward. She kept pushing me forward, exploring, you know, the darkness behind my eyes. And finally, I had kind of a sense of like, oh, there's a sailboat. And, and I had an experience like relating it to childhood and my father. And then boom, I suddenly moved into a past life. And let me describe this. And feel free to like cut any of this extra stuff out. I know this is going to be a long podcast because I'm talking a lot. But this is amazing. Boom, I go into <laughs> past life. And it's like dark. I can tell that I'm like trapped somewhere and I'm dark. It's really dark. Like I'm in prison. Why is it dark? Oh, I realize it's dark because I'm blind. <laughs> hmm. I am a, a blind old man. And so I'm at like the end of my life. So sometimes that happens in a past life regression. You can go to the right at the end of your life where you're about to die. Um, and I'm not scaring people off past life regression. There's many past life regressions where you go straight into like you are a fairy and life's amazing and your life's full of love. Many people have those experiences <laughs> too, right? But the one that I needed to have was I went into this, this darkness as this old man and I, and I, the first part of my regression was I couldn't understand where I was, and I finally realized I was in prison. So she took me back in time to see what happened. And I, was, I went back to this, like, time, like, maybe Mesopotamia or, like, Alexandria, Egypt. Like, this, this, this weird time, there were all these columns around me, and I was being sentenced to death. I was being sentenced to life in prison. So then she took me back, you know, earlier and earlier, like what, why and what happened? And it turns out that I was this, this man, I was like a young man, a young, handsome man. That's where I started. Um, I was apprenticing with a, a stone worker in Mesopotamia. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I was excited. I wanted to get married. I was like in a very optimistic part of my life when I was like 17 or 18 as this man apprenticing in Mesopotamia as a stone worker. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like very bizarre. Mm -hmm. See, that's when you know like past life has something legitimate because like I wouldn't consciously make this up. Mm -hmm. It just was coming into my mind, these sensations and understandings. Um, so a lot of my clients feel that way too when they're we're getting past life regression. And then we move forward and I get married. It's an arranged marriage. She's pretty. Sure, I like her. That's the next thing you do, right? You just get married. Mm. Um, and I was still, and I started my own stoneworking business. I like took over my tutor's thing. Mm -hmm. Have any connection to who I wanted as a person. And my job was boring. It was not what I wanted to do in life. Mm. So I started, I got a drinking problem. <laughs> And, and, you know, this is like a really common story for most of middle America, right? Mm -hmm. Especially the trauma of being a, a man socialized in the, in the world that we have today. So this is not actually that abnormal, this, this past life experience that I had from ancient Mesopotamia. Many individuals are going through the same thing. And so I didn't know who I was. I had an alcohol problem. My wife would bother me because I was drinking what kind of a uh, you know woman wants to be around an angry alcoholic who hates his job not many <laughs> and um 
I couldn't deal with my emotions. And so I would, she would nag me and I would get really angry at her and I would just like hit her to shut her up. Right. And so why am I sharing this weird past life experience? Because what happened to me after, you know, being this man, I became a child of watching my father, you know, drink a lot or other people in my life, you know, have issues with alcohol or issues with anger, issues with physical violence as means to express themselves. So I needed to have this past life to kind of understand like where these things in my life came from and why I, you know, why I had the kind of emotional feelings I might have had or the sadness or the loneliness, because what ended up happening is, is this, this man in Mesopotamia, um, but I don't identify as me, right? But this was this was just an experience my soul went through or something it was describing to me for me to have an understanding. He, he ended up um, getting so angry that he couldn't control himself and he ended up murdering his wife and then getting sentenced to life in prison and then dying alone. Wow. Um, I mean, I can share a different, we can share a different past life and cut all that out and do something that is, I have like other stories too. No, I mean, if you feel comfortable sharing it, I think it's so important. Like one of the things, especially as a, I want to be a therapist someday. And I think that one of the reasons I have been so drawn to past life work is because I feel like there are huge possibilities when it comes to like deep soul healing. And I, Mm -hmm. you know, and you don't go to therapy to like, you know, talk about what's going right in your life, you know, (laughs) like you, like you have to go into the, the, and like, well, I was tearing up when you were telling that story because I mean, whether or not that, like, I, I think that, I think I believe in the idea of like, parallel lives or like we could all have had that experience like I don't know how to explain it or describe it and I don't know I'm still I think at the beginning stages of understanding past lives but the reason your soul remembered that is because of what you just said like you needed you needed to go there and and I hope that it was extremely healing (laughs) like I hope that that's the you know it's I feel like one of my frustrations with the idea of being a light worker is that we don't go into the dark. And I think that we have to, like, that's part mm-hmm. of it. That's why I'm interested in past lives. It's not because it's fun and fluffy. <laughs> it's because it's real and because it mm-hmm. ha- has it has healing possibilities. And so if you're comfortable sharing that, I think it's absolutely so meaningful um, and so powerful. Yeah. And I mean, I don't want to be a downer, but I want to like synthesize this. Like every past life is going like experience that you have is going to bring up some kind of theme that is important for you. What I needed at that moment was themes to understand like, okay, this sense of feeling alone your entire life might not be a flaw in your personality. It might be because there's just so much built up emotions over eternity from other experiences too. Like I don't have to feel bad about myself. I can actually synthesize it and have this perspective where it's like, Oh, that feeling is coming up. 
And when you have the experience, like a lot of therapy is having a corrective emotional experience. Past life regression can get you in touch with emotions that when you just have them, when you're out of your past life regression, like they don't affect you anymore because you've processed it first all of a sudden. So I process these feelings of like feeling bad about myself feeling regretful of my anger and my con- the consequences of that, feeling alone because of it, and then moving into a state of like true compassion and self-forgiveness and forgiveness of myself and my choices and forgiveness of the other people around me where I um, was reincarnated, so to speak, into another life with other people dealing with these same issues that I suddenly see as a mirror, as on the other side as the victim and not the perpetrator. And it gave me this rounded experience where I can kind of move beyond both of those things and now actually be of help. Mm -hmm. Um, And so other people will have these themes come up from past life regression. And some themes are, um, I had a woman who was sing who felt, um, you know, she was dealing with being single for so long and, and she didn't meet the right guy. And she had a past life regression of this incredible marriage and this incredible love for another person. And the message from this was like, this love you have felt before, you know, it's real and it will come back in your life. We are mm. giving you hope that this love is here for you. And f- for her to have that experience was healing. Um I've had other, this is a common theme too with, with the creative and, and healing individuals that I work with of being afraid, and especially women, being afraid of having a voice and teaching and, and just having an opinion and fighting for what they believe in and what is just. Why? Because so many past life themes will come up of doing that and then literally being murdered, being stoned, being burned at the stake, losing someone important to you. Um, losing a child, all of these different things, or having society shut you down where you can't really express yourself and committing suicide. Like these themes are still relevant today. People today are terrified of showing up and speaking out because repercussions are serious. Hmm. Um, So this is where past life regression can get into these big human issues. And then it can go into the smaller, calmer things too of, you know, just an eating. Sometimes people will have a past life in a very peaceful, you know, idyllic countryside setting. Their life is very typical. A great family, great, um, you know, brothers and sisters, nice job, get married, have kids, pass away old age with everyone they love around them, enjoying nature and beauty and just feeling stable and happy. Why did this life come up for someone? Because their life today was so chaotic they needed to have the experience that peace was possible, that they've had that sensation of peace before. And when they had that life of peace, when they woke up from the past life regression, a peace that they had never realized as a human in this life was suddenly a part of them. And they walked the world with a new inner peace. So these are just some examples of how healing this work can be. Mm. Yeah, I love it. And the... The piece about being afraid to use your voice, that has come up for me in various past life regressions. I have a couple different ones. I had one where I was strangled the end of my life. That was how it ended. And so literally like being <laughs> like shut up and killed. Going through that and experiencing that has helped me to I, – I was afraid for a long time to speak up 
about my various spiritual beliefs. And I just in the last year or so uh, started to talk about that in a public way. There's still some fear there for me. But I think that like having those experiences has helped me let go of that fear and to and to process mm-hmm. those emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you can look at past lives and I mean, I, I know that there are going to be people listening who it's not for them. It's okay. But I think that if you are open to the idea of it, it can be really transformative. I say that because it has been for me and it sounds like it has been for you. This has been really amazing. I think that this is kind of a good place to stop. I don't think it went to a dark, sad place. I think it's I think it's been lovely. <laughs> this is real. I feel like I need to have you back on because I didn't get to ask like half the questions I wanted to ask you. <laughs> but I did want to kind of end with where do you think this train is headed? Where do you think we're headed as a species, as a humanity? I think that is up to everyone's individual choice and intention of where they want to go. And we're going to be like atoms in an enclosed space, bouncing against each other if they're not in line or creating incredible, beautiful crystal structures if they are. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's well said. So I'm going to put your links in the show notes, but is there like, where can we find you? What do you... um, I want to open the door to, I know that we talked a lot about, you know, past lives, serious healing and self-understanding, but, you know, past life regression is a form of hypnosis too. If you don't believe in a past life, you can still benefit from the work we're doing because what your inner self will show you will fit in line with what you need. So I've also had sessions with um, just kind of dreamy symbolism that is also very important or self-understanding and, and giving advice to yourself, reaching this place of wisdom that because you're in this kind of trance-like state allows for more growth and positivity. So to I don't want to alienate people who say, well, I don't believe in past lives because if you don't, that's absolutely okay. You can still work with regression and you can still work with hypnosis and get a lot of personal benefit. Um, and so if you'd like to find me, I am on Instagram. Subtle Honey, S-U-B-T-L-E-H-O-N-E-Y. And then I have my website, SubtleHoney.com. Yeah, you can find me on Facebook even. I'm around and I love to connect with anyone. You can send me an email, talk to me, ask me a question. Yeah, I would love to work together if you'd like to do that too. Thank you, Maya. Thank you so much for coming on and... Uh, sharing your wisdom. This has been really, really incredible. Thanks, Brandy. Thank you for listening. I so appreciate your ears. If you like what you heard, there are a couple of ways that you can support this podcast and help build momentum. First, you can share it with a friend Second, you can leave a review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you're listening through. And third, you can support Throwing Light on Patreon and get cool shit, including a shout out on the podcast. 
thank you again. I hope you have an unexpectedly amazing day.